From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Budget Tracker Extra podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress spends your money. Washington is waiting with bated breath this week for the release of a bill to overhaul the tax code. But even before the great unveiling, Republican lawmakers are fighting over several different components of the plan. So what should we expect to see, and how bloody will this battle get? I'm David Lerman, editor of the CQ Budget Tracker newsletter, and with me today are Peter Cohn and Catalina Camilla, two of CQ's policy editors who follow tax and appropriation issues. And Kat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Good to have you with us. So the top tax writers in the House plan to unveil their long-awaited legislation Wednesday that is supposed to do something that hasn't been done in 31 years, a tax code overhaul. What do we think is in it, and what are the biggest sticking points likely to be? Well, we already know that there are going to be lower rates for individuals and corporations and a new system for how uh, companies are taxed uh, for their overseas profits. But there are lots of question marks that will unleash this frenzy on K Street in terms of lobbying and protecting uh, special interests and their own deductions. We don't know, for instance, what the income levels are for the three proposed tax rates. There is talk that there will be a fourth tax rate to um, uh, make sure that the super wealthy pay their fair share. We don't know, for instance, uh, whether they will cap or eliminate tax breaks that encourage you to save in your 401k. Pete, what are some of the other things that uh, I may have forgotten? Well, we've got the estate tax, which is a huge issue for House Republicans. They've basically been promising repeal of the estate tax ever since they took over the House back in uh, in the 2010 elections. We've got uh, issues with where's revenue come from because they dropped the border adjustment tax a few months ago, and now they're having serious problems over the state and local tax deduction, which is supposed to be the other big moneymaker as as part of this process. This is the proposal to eliminate the deduction for state and local taxes. Originally, that was the plan. If you look at the president's proposal, his outline that he put out a few months ago, and the House Republican, the Better Way blueprint from last July, always has relied on, on repeal, of, complete repeal of the state and local deduction. But what they ran into was an issue that they should have foreseen, and that's the Republicans from high-tax states, New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois, uh, and a few others, basically rose up in revolt. And this week they expressed themselves by threatening to, to withhold their votes on the budget resolution, which, uh, as we all know, is the key uh, piece of procedural business that needs to get done before moving to the tax plan, which they need to pass using the reconciliation procedure because they can't rely on any Democratic votes. Yeah, it was striking to me this week, or last week rather, how close this thing could be on taxes because if you look at how the House gave final approval to that budget resolution, 216 to 212 by the thinnest of margins, and that's before we know any details of the tax reform. That's just an agreement to try to do tax reform. That's right, David. The budget vote was instructive. Number one, it exposes and and shows us where some of the danger zones are. For instance, you had maybe about a dozen Republicans from those high-tax donor states, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, who are very concerned. Those are the states that give more to the federal government than they get back from Washington. Exactly. 
And uh, you also saw a couple of people from the very conservative wing of the party who also voted against the budget resolution who are probably making a stink about not having the tax cut paid for. Right. And that's but that's just before we even agree to do tax reform. And and now we're already facing all of these big battles over deductions. And maybe Pete explain a little why if they if a lot of these deduction proposals end up getting killed off because of political pressure. What happens to this plan? The problem is they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. They've got $1.5 trillion to play with in terms of what the federal government can actually lose over the next decade uh, in terms of revenue. Now, the problem with that is they've got at least $5 trillion worth of tax cuts that they it, that is on their wish list. You know, those ambitions are going to have to get scaled back or they're actually going to have to come up with about three and a half trillion dollars in offsets. And that's just in the first 10 years. And under the rules of reconciliation, if they want to make any of these items permanent, they have to not add to the deficit starting in year 11 and beyond. So that's why there's all this talk of making certain provisions temporary, not only to to uh, reduce the cost and make it fit within that one and a half trillion dollar framework, but also because they, they can't continue on in year 11 uh, and, and beyond because they'll continue to add to the deficit, which will run up against the bird rule that followers of the health care debate are by now well acquainted with. You can't have anything in reconciliation that adds to the long-term deficit. Yeah, and I saw, I mean, when you think of $1.5 trillion to play with, as you say, that sounds to folks like a lot of money over 10 years. But just the proposal to reduce the corporate income tax rate from 35% to 20% is supposed to cost $1.9 trillion. So that's more than they ha- than the entire debt they can take on. That's why a lot of these deductions have to get curbed, and that's where these fights are coming in. What do we think is the status? This, this huge fight over the state and local income tax deductions, are they, are they ceding ground now? Is that, are we going to see that go away, or where do we think that, that stands? Everything changes on Wednesday when the bill comes out. For now, we've been operating on a 10-page uh, framework that was released maybe a month ago. When the details come out, we'll start seeing more special interests come out of the woodwork and talk about how they want to protect their own. We've already seen, for instance, people uh, in the real estate industry very concerned about this proposal to double the standard deduction. They believe that that reduces the value of taking the mortgage interest deduction, and so therefore their industry might be harmed. And that's supposed to be a tax goodie, a selling point of this plan. That's exactly right. One thing that gets lost, I think, in the discussion about provisions and policy is the politics of it all. One reason why we are on an accelerated schedule to get this tax bill through Congress is Republicans need a win. They need to tell voters back home that they can govern and that they can deliver on the promises that got them elected in 2016. So after health care has collapsed and Obamacare is still the law of the land, now Republicans want to say to their base, yes, we can deliver a tax cut, which we have talked about for years. We can overhaul the tax code so it makes it so it's simpler and easier to understand and so that You can file on a postcard, which they have said for at least a generation. So that's a tall order, and the stakes couldn't be higher. I mean, if they don't do tax cuts this year, what happens? There's always always been a discussion uh, in the background about 
do you do tax cuts versus a tax overhaul? Uh, the Republicans have said that they want to use the opportunity that they have uh, with unified government to actually do a whole scale rewrite of the code. There's a chance that you could get a tax cut, something smaller than a wholesale rewrite, just like you did when Bush was president. But that would mean giving up on some long-held uh, promises. And, and there's so many of these, these things that could, that could be tweaked or, or finessed as we go here with little time to get it done, one of which is there's already a huge battle over retirement benefits. And whether your 401ks are still going to be, you can still contribute as much as you want to your 401ks or whether they're going to try to scale that back. Is that going to, how much is that going to complicate things now? You know, basically the bottom line here is we're talking about trying to get $5 trillion in tax cuts into this $1.5 trillion revenue loss framework. So where does the money come from? You've, there's really only a few pots of money where all, essentially all of the lost tax revenue is today. We've got the, the exclusion for employer-sponsored health benefits, which is pr the largest tax, so-called tax expenditure in the tax code. And it, it's basically politically sacrosanct. Nobody's going to touch it. Uh, then you get into things like the preferential rates on capital gains and dividends. This is a long-held Republican philosophy. You want to keep those rates low and, and have a preferential rate so that there's an incentive to, to save and invest. And it, so where else do you go? We talked about the state and local deduction. Bringing in even more money than that, you got to look at the, the system of retirement savings. The advent of defined contribution plans has led to an explosion across all workplaces, essentially. Uh, not everybody, but it's just it's grown in, in popularity, and it's become the number one way that Americans save for retirement. But that's where the money is. Those are the places you have to go. And if you're going to rule out certain things where the revenue is, you've got to go somewhere else. You've got to go to the 401ks. So the question now is, is there anything they can do there that would not affect the incentive for Americans to save for retirement, which, as everybody knows is extremely problematic. Nobody saves enough. You do it in a way that raises revenue, but protects the incentive to save. So they're looking at ways to tweak that. And Republicans are fighting with themselves all over the place on all these issues. But Democrats seem to be very united, Kat. Yes, they are. Uh, the Democratic message is very clear. Uh, Minority Leader Pelosi this week sent a letter to her uh, troops saying, this is about who benefits. And in the Democrats' mind, they believe that the Republicans are setting up a tax plan that would benefit the wealthy and hurt the middle class. And to that point, one of the provisions they use as evidence is that Republicans want to repeal the estate tax, which, which goes is mostly benefits the wealthy people who own multi-million dollar estates. They have to pay a tax if they pass it on to their heirs. And yet now we've seen some Senate tax writers possibly caving on that. Yes. Senator Hatch uh, indicated that he didn't think uh, the Senate version of the bill, which is also expected to come out in the next couple of weeks, will have a full repeal of the estate tax. They might do some tweaking, for instance, on uh, the value that you can uh, exempt, uh, the value of your property and your holdings that you can exempt from the tax. There might be some other tweaks that we could see. And it's real interesting to listen to the debate because, as we indicated before, long-held Republican principles are being 
uh, challenged here by Republicans themselves. Which is very interesting. And they're on a tight timeline to get this all done. What are we what are we looking for? Well, in the, on the House side, Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady of Texas has said, and the Speaker Paul Ryan have, has said, that they would like to get the tax bill out of the House by Thanksgiving. That's not a lot of time. There's going to have to be a lot done between now and Thanksgiving uh, if they want to have a happy holiday. Uh, but the debut of this tax plan will mark an important milestone for Republicans, and the reaction to it is going to be critical as they try to pass their legit biggest legislative priority of the year. CQ will be covering it all for you. My thanks to Peter Cohn and Catalina Camilla for joining me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your Budget Tracker editor. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can keep up to date by reading your daily CQ Budget newsletter. You can subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and NPR One. And for more on this subject and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.